Hello, and welcome to Radio KBPV, a podcast for tales of the Kootenai Brown Pioneer Village. This is the Talking Tombstones edition, recorded at the Fort McLeod Union Cemetery, August 24th, 2019. This was our last episode or reading for the evening at Fort McLeod on August 24th, 2019, read by myself, Gord Tolton. Uh, however, our recording was not available for that night because our battery power had, uh, had run out at the, uh, at the previous gravesite at the uh, Carmichael reading. As uh, If you've read that, you've already heard the uh, somewhat patched together version of that already so without further ado this uh this one will act obviously be done in studio so without the benefit of the wind and laughter and uh and uh, other sounds of the graveyard as well i hope you enjoy it talking tombstone tours the story of archie mclean I will be doing this talk as myself due to my personal connections to this story and some of what i'm adding comes from a local knowledge of Archie that you won't find in the community histories. And even the internet doesn't know everything about this cattleman, entrepreneur, politician, and builder of Alberta. Archie was born in Ontario on September 25, 1860 at Aldborough Township in West Elgin County. He was one of six siblings born to farm family James McLean and Clementine McMurchy. Young Archibald attended school in Aldeborough and learned the farming business with his father. As a born Presbyterian, he was an early member of McCall Masonic Lodge in West Lorne, Ontario. But at 21, he cast off the family rituals and rode off to create his own institutions. Archie heeded that call of, Go West, young man, go west, in 1881, and no one ever called him Archibald again. He moved to Manitoba where he put together a small livestock operation at Verdon near Pipestone Creek. Archie made a tidy income buying up seasoned farm horses in Ontario and reselling them to the Verdon farmers. He also made a few important connections. A financier named Augustus Natton, later to become president of the Canadian Pacific Railway. And another friend was a young Irish butcher selling live beef on the hoof to railway contractors. That man was the young Pat Burns. Their paths would definitely cross again. In 1886, McLean moved west again, further west, to a job as a range rider for the Cypress Cattle Company, better known by its brand, the CY. The spread covered a township of a lonely stretch of dry country along the Old Man River, not far from where the new narrow-gauge Northwestern Coal and Navigation Railway existed only to move coal from the mines of Lethbridge to the CPR railhead at Dunmore. At a nondescript location on the prairies was a water tank pump station at the Old Man River and a section house on the rail line between Dunmore and Lethbridge, marked as the 77th mile. The main camp was across the river from that pump station, and the CY learnt least from the federal government about a township of open-range land, bounded by the old man on the south and east and the little bow by the west. And as far north as the eye could see, and in that flat land, that was pretty far. Archie was of nothing else tenacious, and his acumen soon led to his promotion to ranch foreman, and he eventually took over the general management. With his help, CY turned into one of the largest cat 
uh, growers of cattle for export, and soon he was able to become sole owner of that same CY ranch. Archie was a quiet rancher, making friends with other big operators in the foothills and shipping his cattle out by rail at the Tank 77. For 17 years, the presence of a railway gang in the water tank was all the process one could see anywhere near that whistle stop. Then in 1903, a string of wagons appeared near the section house, and Archie rode over to see what it was all about. Tom Primrose of the Calgary Albertan rode of the encounter. Archie McLean was the old-time rancher type. He helped establish the beef industry in Alberta, and with regrets saw the days of the open range change to a new and different era, that of the homesteader. He told my uncle of the very day when he knew for certain that the old range days were numbered. Riding one day on inspection of his cattle, he met men and wagons near what is now the location of the town of Tabor. The spokesman for the wagoneers was James S. Hull from Utah. He was looking for land to settle on. McLean told him this was unlikely country for anything but ranching. He put up what was felt a convincing argument against settlement, and when he finished, Hall looked at him and said quietly, Looks like to, to me like a good country to raise a family in. McLean said no more, but turned his saddle horse and rode back to the ranch. When he got back to the CY, he said to some of his cowboys, Boys, I guess we can start winding up operations here pretty soon. The settlers have started to move in. Sure enough, in 1903, James S. Hall built the first house in the town site of what was soon known as Tabor. Until then, it had only been the water tank on the CPR. The days of the open range were at an end. The McLeod Grisette wrote that when wheat raising began in the South Country on an extensive scale, the rich pasture lands of the old CY ranch were turned into grain fields. They certainly were, and more than a few of those grain fields between Tabor, Vauxhall, Retlaw, and Turin belonged to people I know, including my family, as this is the area in which I was raised. But back to Archie. At the age of 44, he returned east and married Margaret E. Duncan on December 15, 1904 in Hamilton, Ontario. Tragically, Margaret died just two days later in Lethbridge. Two years later, sorry, while giving birth to their only son. The boy was named for Margaret's maiden surname, Duncan. Archie never remarried, but threw himself into the long-term business of beef marketing with the firm of Baker & McLean. With offices in Lethbridge and Winnipeg, the company exported uh, his live cattle to facilitate the sale and export of live cattle for breeding and beef destined to the British market and shipping to London, Liverpool, and Glasgow. Archie sold his company in 1909, 1905, pardon me, uh, having made the name Archie McLean synonymous with fair dealing and business integrity. As the town of Tabor grew, Archie McLean contributed to the, its early life in many ways. Besides being a successful rancher, he was a versatile businessman prepared to, to uh, invest outside his area of expertise. Coal properties were being developed around Tabor, and he was active in that development. He would also drop loose dollars into wildcat oil drilling schemes. He would also finance the beginning of the Tabor Times in 1911, a weekly that is still being published. Personally, I don't think Tabor's community history book gives Archie enough credit as the area's first settler.
But in his lifetime, a few tributes were made. In 1910, the A.J. McLean crossing the Old Man River was dedicated within yards of the CY's main ranch buildings, just as he was giving up his Dominion grazing lease. Across the river, the CY School District north of Tabor in 1913 uh, commemorated his ranch. A brief aside, the CY School was still operating as late as the 1940s when my dad, Glenn Tolton, and all of his brothers attended. One of his school chums in those days was a Pincher Creek farmer that some may remember, Winston Sproul. I can still recall the building still standing in the early 1970s. Archie was well known in the drawing rooms around Lethbridge and the McLean School District near Coaldale was also founded in 1913. But it was in the arena of provincial politics where McLean truly made an indelible mark. In 1909, he entered... Uh, the electoral politics, winning a seat in the legislature as an independent liberal for the Lesbridge constituency, one of the first two independents elected in Alberta history. In 1910, Archie accepted an appointment from Premier Arthur Sifton to cross the floor to the government and join the cabinet as provincial secretary. After acclamation in a ministerial by-election, McLean officially took the position. During his first term, he also served as Minister of Municipal Affairs. Arguably, Archie McLean's most famous accomplishment was a feat of philanthropy he had no idea he would be making. In 1912, a Wyoming cowboy showman named Guy Wiedek was in Calgary, pitching a week-long Wild West extravaganza that would attract the world's greatest rodeo competitors. Wiedek managed to obtain a meeting with some of the most powerful ranchers in the area. George Lane, sole owner of the Bayou Ranch near Longview, Alfred Ernest Cross of the A7 near Nanton, and also the son-in-law of Colonel James McLeod, by the way, and finally, Pat Burns, who by the time arguably owned everything else, including the Burns Meat Packing Plant Empire and much of the rangeland of Alberta. H was enthusiastic about Weedick's plans and, and agreed to pledge $25,000 apiece to the venture to stage the original stampede in September of 1912. But Wiedek needed $100,000. Though Burns himself could have easily plunked down the rest of the cash, he chimed in that his old pal Archie McLean would gladly donate the last of the 25 large. Trouble was that Archie wasn't at the meeting, and nobody had asked the Minister of Municipal Affairs if it was okay to spend a large sum of his personal funds essentially the equivalent of three-quarters of a million dollars today. He was not amused at the cavalier use of his funds, but Archie was good at his comrade's word, and he pointed up the cash and became enthusiastic about the stampede. Guy Wiedek offered to repay the Big Four when the big event showed a profit, but they told him to keep the money for the next stampede. But that first stampede did not make any money. And when the event was first restaged in 1919, all of the Big Four, including Archie, would continue to support the greatest show on, on earth for the rest of their lives. McLean was re-elected to a second term in the new Tabor Provincial Electoral District in the 1913 general election, and re-elected to his third and final term in 1917 running against Raymond Rancher Thomas King. When he was returned, he was appointed Minister of Public Works by Premier Charles Stewart. In office, McLean was known as Honest Archie, widely regarded as a capable administrator. 
He was given credit for sponsoring the 1915 legislation that allowed farmers to organize irrigation districts, and he aided his constituents in the financing of the Tabor Irrigation District. McLean's direction was also a creative influence in the building of Alberta's highway system, just as the widespread use of automobiles was emerging. In the 1921 election, he ran for a fourth term in office, but in that year of the landslide victory of the United Farmers of Alberta, McLean was defeated by Lawrence Peterson in a tight race. With that defeat, McLean returned to his ranching. Uh, for the next de- decade, he stocked cattle on 18,000 acres of leased land on the Pagan Reserve. He and his son, Duncan McLean, would continue to manage this spread following his takeover its takeover by a large stock company in 1932. With the death of his friend George Lane in 1925, Archie McLean was appointed by the Dominion Bank to oversee the dispersion and sale of, of Lane's vast property holdings. Until the estate could be settled, Archie managed the Bar U and Flying E ranches in the foothills, eventually sold to Pat Burns, with the sale of his own CY, Archie moved to Calgary and continued to manage Namaka Farms, the last of Lane's property east of Calgary. In October 1933, Archie fell ill while returning to Calgary from Fort McLeod. He died in the McLeod General Hospital on October 19th of 1933 at the age of 73. The funeral cortege was one, led one and a half miles from St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church, one of the largest uh, funeral gatherings to be seen in southern Alberta to that date. The service was attended by a crowd of 500, including prominent members of the ranching community, uh, Canadian Pacific Railway officials, three senators, and several provincial politicians. He was buried at the Union Cemetery in McLeod with full Masonic rites. Archie was predeceased by his brothers James and William, who both lived in the Pincher Creek area, as well as his sisters Mrs. Colin McPherson of Ontario and Mrs. John McMurchie of McLeod. Interestingly, Duncan McLean seems to have passed on without descendants, and apparently the McLean will is still open, and the estate still to be settled. In 2012, the Stampede Board initiated a search for relatives to attend a centennial ceremony but were unable to find any heirs. Archie McLean was a formative force in the early development of Alberta. Since his death, he has been named a member of the Canadian Agricultural Hall of Fame, enshrined in the Big Four building at the Calgary Stampede Grounds in 1959. The bridge north of Tabor near the original CY Corrals has been replaced by a modern bridge in 1996, but is still known as the A.J. McLean Bridge. The CY brand and the name are still used on the Pecani Reserve, where, Art, where Archie had leased the land, and the brand is now registered to the Pecani band. But Archie's greatest legacy was his popularity. The Canadian Cattleman magazine said in 1941 that Archie McLean was the man who never made a million dollars, but who did make a million friends. <laughs>